0: Welcome to Church and Other Drugs. My name is Jed. How is everyone doing? I'll tell you how I'm doing. I saw Birds of Prey last night. It was the worst movie I've seen in a long time. It's gonna get my vote so far for Razzie worst movie of the year. It was I think I'm gonna do a bonus. This is gonna if y'all remember the bird box debacle, this is like how I feel about it. Like I have an intense vitriolic hatred for it that excites me because it was just so stupid and unnecessary but then i always followed up with but i mean if you want to see it go see it you know who am i to tell you what to watch but it really does suck dude it was it was it wants to be deadpool so bad and it wants to be so oh my god like i'm so quirky and psycho isn't that hilarious like oh my god it's just crazy i shouldn't be this cute and psycho but i just am it's awful it was. It's been. It's been. It's been a good minute since I've sat in a movie and wanted to leave that I paid money for. So that's how I'm doing, though. But you know, it's a rainy Monday. I am really stoked about this episode, though. So this is kind of a current events thing. So if anyone is aware of what's going on in the Mississippi State penitentiary system the state prison system right now there's been 12 deaths inmate deaths since December uh, riots it's been so the media has kind of spun it as a gang violence thing oh it's inmate versus inmate but um, it's really a uh, inmate versus establishment inmate versus the guard versus the police uh, over uh, prison conditions and so I brought uh, first-hand account, Scott Countryman, if you remember, he was actually uh, incarcerated there from '09 to 2012, and he has been in touch with people that are inside um, as recently as, as a few weeks ago, um, talking to them. So he comes, I get him to come on to tell some history, what it's like in there, what's going on. What's really going on and what, you know, we can do about it. So this was actually a really cool episode. And I I do encourage people to, it's, it's tough to watch, but search on YouTube for, for some of these videos, um, like at Parchman, uh, Mississippi state corrections, um, uh, 2020 riot inmate videos. I mean, you just have to search for it. Some of them are being taken down, but I do think people need to know what's going on here. Um, you know, Jay-Z has uh filed lawsuits on behalf of some of the inmates. Um, so it's 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 a mess and it's inhumane, and I think we need to do better. Also, new patron Chris Lokovich. Thanks, buddy. Welcome to the club, man. Welcome to the club. Um join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash church and other drugs. Uh, send me an email, drugs at gmail.com, merch at storefrontier.com, slash churchandotherdrugs. Um, enjoy the episode. Let me know what you think.
1: It's just been lingering.
0: Yeah, I, I hit record, so we're rolling. But um, yeah, I uh, it hadn't been. You wait, do you you vape? You don't smoke though, right? Okay, yeah. So me too. But I, I do remember it's not as bad as when I smoked cigarettes. It was like the, if I got sick, it would it would sit there for <laughs> at least a <laughs> month and a half. But I was wondering, does vaping like because you know how like smoking it like flattens the the what is it, the the little hairs in your throat and that's why you don't cough stuff up. Does vaping do the same thing?
1: I guess. And my doctor told me, he was like, you need to quit vaping. It's oh, going to really? get better faster. Yeah. And then now I was supposed to quit before my wedding in November. That's what I told uh, Finley I was going to do. And then I just couldn't do it, man. I went down. I was on like 24% nicotine at the beginning of last year. Oh, was, you
0: do the salts?
1: No, uh, the bottles, uh, regular mod boxes, but I was making my did, own.
0: So you were doing did, 24, I did, I did. Nick, dude?
1: Yeah, 24. It was a lot. Scott. Yeah, so I'm all the way down to six now, and I'm fine there. But when I tried to go from six to three, I kept smoking cigarettes at work, like I'd oh. smoked two or three, and it was awful, dude. Dude,
0: 24 is obscene.
1: It's ridiculous. I was smoking... God... Two and a half packs of Reds a day of uh, New- Newport Reds. Yeah, and so, then when I was uh, locked up, I rolled my own. The uh, pipe tobacco or whatever, you know, uh, BACA or yeah, whatever. Or BACA. That BACA.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> but I don't yeah. know, man. It's uh,
0: – Vaping. So have, do you all have those uh, – have you seen those Zen things? No. No. So they're, uh, I guess it's it's the same thing as like snus or s in U.S. It's just um, it's little dip pouches, but it's only nicotine. So it's kind of the same thing as like a nicotine lozenge, I guess. But they're little, uh, they're just little nicotine pouches. So there's no tobacco, so you can swallow it and all that. But that's the new thing around here. And I was like, I could see. So I, I like started doing that, and I was like, oh, okay, this this is if I'm ever gonna quit vaping, this is how I'm gonna do it. And but now I'm just doing that and vaping so it's like fuck
1: yeah and i don't know I had how my, to quit dude i had my one-year evaluation at my job uh what this past wednesday and he was like yeah uh you can't vape like when i'm the closer and my boss is gone like i'll just vape all over the restaurant
0: <laughs> oh dude and they're getting pissed about it
1: yeah they're a corporate place so it's like Smoking in the non like there's no smoking cigarettes anywhere on the property. You have to walk outside like forty yards to smoke. Yeah, to smoke a cigarette. So like nobody smokes except for probably like four of us out of the hundred people that work there. Wow, dude. Yeah, it's it's wild. It's much different than uh, it was before. Like it used to be, everybody smoked. Oh
0: yeah, everybody, every single Uh, person.
1: Now. Not very many people smoke, but it's on my list. Like, I'm actively trying to do better.
0: You don't take Wellbutrin or anything, do you?
1: No. Uh, I looked at taking the – is it Paxil? What is it? Uh, Chantix? Chantix, yeah. Yeah. But my uh, psychologist – Well, it's, it can increase depression. Dude, and like, it
0: did not was, do me I right. I tried it, and it made me insane. It was not I I know, but I do know one person that it worked for. So I don't know. It did not work for me though. It did not do
1: well with me. Did you have the vivid dreams? Yes. Yeah.
0: And it was like it, it was just like, like I would I would do well like well because it did the same thing. It was like the chantix. Like it all it did was you know I would smoke a cigarette and it would taste disgusting, but I still craved it. It was it was just like. You know, it was just like an abuse or something, where it was like it, it did nothing for the craving, but it just when you gave in, it was disgusting. So it was just like this, like hell of a limbo. So I don't know, but I guess if you're like, I guess it could work. I mean, it worked for it worked for Besh. I mean, that's what he did.
1: I'll tell you what I do. Also, sometimes is I'll take the regular nicotine juice that you put in your Monbox and I'll just drink it. Shut like, up, dude. Hey, dude, it's the same thing. God. <laughs>
0: <laughs> if, you, if i can't i love I, how I, much of a junkie you get
1: are. away to vape like in the restaurant and i'm sitting on the line like i'll run to the back you and the-
0: drink <laughs> it that's like that's like i thought that was like the big like that's how you die
1: is it i don't know yes, I, dude that was the I'm big thing about like a teaspoon like the size of a fucking pin i guess you're you're
0: right i guess that's the same thing as like chewing i guess really but it's like you got to be careful like that you know
1: it was a transdermal or what i guess it's it's in you through diffusion but i buy that regular nicotine that's just straight nicotine and you can overdose on nicotine like that it's so
0: unpleasant i remember when i started vaping uh that first weekend nobody and I, i started off on like 12 and nobody like really told me that like what what I'd never really experienced like nicotine high and overshooting the mark like that. And I was just like I was I got this like crazy panic attack and like I was like, What is going on? And then I was like and my friend's like, dude, I think you just I think you just
1: OD'd on nicotine. And I was like, Oh, that's yeah. why I don't fuck with those uh salt nicotines because they're so powerful, man. Well,
0: dude, they're not as powerful as twenty-four <laughs> milligram nick. On a box mod?
1: Well, we're over that now. Okay, we're, we're, yeah. That's, but that's, no, that's
0: it's like way less. But yeah, that's true. My friend, yeah, he does the, I think he was doing like the 34, and he does that thing like a chimney. I'm just, I don't know. Yeah, I, I know, and my mom's listening. She's like, yeah, you do. I, I, I do know, because there was that study, the recent study that came out. It was like a three-year study, and they're like, okay, yeah, vaping is not good, which I know nothing you breathe, Besides oxygen and nitrogen is gonna be good, right? I mean, I get that, but I didn't want to hear it, and I really don't want lung cancer ever.
1: Yeah, that I've got it, I've got Crohn's and enough bullshit going on yeah. that I don't. But it, on the other hand, it's like I it's like coming. It. Like I'm I'm going I'm going to quit in the next little while. As drug addict as that sounds, <laughs> it
0: does. I'm gonna kick tomorrow.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. I, uh,
0: and I work, you know, I work at a treatment center. So it's even hard, you know, fuck, it's hard, dude. And it's, I mean, I guess I enjoy it. I don't even know if I enjoy it, though. You know what I'm saying? I, I love it. Do you, though? Or are we just addicted?
1: I think it's, I enjoy the whole process. <laughs> like, I like going yeah. to the shop. I like yeah, the yeah. break in my day or whatever activity that I'm doing to do it. It does get annoying sometimes because I am so addicted to it. But like I've started leaving it in the car or not taking it in certain situations, and like yeah. then my hand, like I'm, I always uh, I twirl a pin a yep. lot. I do too. Like I'll do I do that with uh, pins, like a drummer. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I do. So I can too. do that like back and forth and whatever, just for that mental stimulation, I guess.
0: All right, so we're gonna. So I wanted. So I wanted to bring back scott on to talk about the the parchment and the mississippi prison system thing so give so the people that may not know let's let's start with the let's start with the, a refresher on who the countryman is who is scott so um if everyone's not familiar well i guess we'll get to that but yeah the um you know, pause it and just Google the Mississippi state penitentiary crisis going on currently, and that's what we're going to be talking about. But so how did you I guess we could start with like, how did you wind up there?
1: Uh, so I wound up in the Mississippi criminal justice system by being convicted of one count of felony embezzlement and moving money across state lines. So I went in.
0: Well, and and tell, the story's good. So tell the story.
1: Oh, as far as like what I did yeah, to yeah. get charged? Yeah. Basically, I was an insurance agent on the coast of Mississippi after Katrina. And I was taking money out of petty cash. People that would come in and pay their auto insurance or homeowners insurance. It was a sweep from our account to the carrier's account so like if geico was your your insurance is through geico but my insurance agency was the people that serviced it so you would come in give me cash it would sweep from the my employer's account to the other one and i would pocket the cash and not put the you know, replenish the cash or whatever. Also, I was writing a lot of uh, what's called underwriting policies or dwellings that are under construction because there was so much slabbed out homes, people were doing a lot of building. So you have to insure that building while it's being constructed. And I would just take that cash and not put a policy in force because. <laughs> Uh, it was it was pretty diabolical at the was, time,
0: and and to and so this was this was to feed your addiction. You're you're not a you're not a bad person. This was uh this was pure yeah, drug yeah. addict. I mean, I'm definitely pure a bad drug person. addict.
1: I'm still definitely a bad person, <sighs> but at, at the time I had a tremendous oxycotton and dilauded habit. This was in the heyday of uh, everybody getting. The green monsters, oxycodone 80s that were forty dollars. The
0: big boys, yeah. If you've watched yeah, uh, the, the pharmacist dude, on Netflix, dude. this was that time period.
1: Yeah, I almost called you the other night when I was uh, watching it. I was like, wonder if fucking Jed knew those people. I know for sure. No, had some of those pills. I never went to those to that doctor, but that holy trinity, like that was a junkie term where. Yeah, I was the, the, the soma,
0: Xanax, and OxyContin. Yeah, so what yeah. w- my experience with with it was so it was and this is a, a quick aside when 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 I kind of got into it, it was right after they cracked down in Louisiana. So what happened was the whole industry moved to Houston. So then we then the the lick became drive to someone would. So it's like how it would work is like somebody would fund a trip. Somebody would find someone with an MRI or something. Then you would fund the trip or you'd pull your money, right? And then me and whoever else would go on a run to Houston because it was just like that's the, the I-10 corridor there. you drive to Houston. Uh, you'd go to the doctor. You'd have to th- – what they – they really – they re- uh, everything got, got fucked. And you had to – so – pharmacies in louisiana then at that time would no longer fill a prescription from texas and it was just like this whole thing and so you had to hit certain pharmacies that would still fill the script and it was just a it became super complicated but
1: that show on netflix he did such a great job that far i mean he's definitely nuts but that's the way it was if you didn't have say your script was written in mississippi and you lived in Hancock County, and your physician that wrote the prescription was in Hancock County, you had to have a Mississippi license and proof of residency in Hancock County or wherever your script was written yes. in order to get it filled. That was just one of the hurdles. But when it started, like this was it, it was, was so easy brush. to get those to get those prescriptions.
0: It was so easy. But
1: and I swear to God, walking down I-10 as an insurance official with my red shirt and a laptop watching pain pill doctors seeing patients on the side of the road on a card table. Like this was up and down I 10 because it was a natural disaster area. So they were able to bend the laws. And now you didn't have all these safeguards in place where you had to have the license and blah, blah, blah. You could just go pay this person in cash and then get your prescription, and then go to wherever I uh, you know, had it, that which was, was insane.
0: It was, that was. And that, I remember, so, man, I guess people don't really realize how much, this is so weird, this is making me so excited, but it was such a crazy time, like, and you were around it, like, Hurricane Katrina, and that's when I moved to Louisiana to go to rehab. It was two weeks before Hurricane Katrina is when I moved to Louisiana. Ah. Yeah, dude, I was like, what the fuck? But, so, in Baton Rouge, they started a, so, like, the devastation happened in Baton Rouge, about an hour um, away from New Orleans, and so they started running a free bus every day, like multi, like a city bus, except they drive you to New Orleans so people could go work, because the construction started kicking off again, and so yeah. um, the the new lick became... All these, all the indigent and homeless people and like the people from the VA and stuff were just getting, I don't know, I don't know what the circumstances were, but everyone and their grandmother had government like prescriptions. And so right. they would just people be, be walking around and be like, hey man, you know, fill my script. I'll half it with you. And that was like my, my shitty story where like this dude, this dude on, I still, I don't know. I think I have made amends for it, but he like hobbled up. He was on crutches, and he was like, "Hey, man, fill my script." And I was like, "Okay, yeah." And I filled it, and I walked out, and I looked at him, and I it just dawned on me. I was like, "Dude, he's on crutches." And I just looked he at him, did, and I just did, took dude. off running. He, <laughs> <laughs> and he
2: was like, man. "I think you."
1: I've heard you tell that story, or uh, uh, yeah, I've heard, I've heard it before. But like, I remember having twelve hundred or fifteen hundred lore sets, and being like, "I don't, e- I don't even want these." Yeah. Like, that was how it was because the 40s and tens and everything were so prevalent.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Why, and, why, and yeah, somas too. That was the weirdest thing. It was always it was a benzo, and then sometimes you could get them to throw you some Adderall in there. Um, it was. It was just that trinity: that soma, a benzo, and an opiate. Which is I easy. never,
1: I, I never got anything out of the somas. That was always a detriment. Like I didn't like the side effects as far as doing the shuffle and being. A complete space cadet because, as bad as my addiction was, I was highly functioning as far as like an office setting and stuff. And you just you can't have a job, a normal life, and function on Xanax. I've always, I've always, my sponsees and kid like kids that I was like, hey, look, can't be a person on Xanax. You are going to be
0: no. That that's the damnedest thing. Well, well, two stories. Well, so. With soma, is the the worst thing I've heard from soma. So there's, I was in Oxford House with this dude, and he put himself in a soma coma. And the way he passed out, so like imagine you're standing up, bend your knees, and just lean backwards so that you're he would he laid, like does that make sense? Like his, um, yeah yeah yeah, he laid back with his legs bent. So and he laid like that for like eight hours, something like that, and he got compartment syndrome. In his calves, where like the blood cut off, so they had to slide. He had these gnarly scars from his knee down to his ankle where they had to cut each side of his calf, open it up, and drain it because they almost had to amputate his legs just because he passed out that way.
1: I was one of my best dealers ever in Mississippi, was this older lady, and she used to always uh, hit in her wrist. Like, that main vein that's, like, right there under your watch or whatever. Anyways, she missed a little bit and said that she missed, but she wasn't sure what really happened, and her arm started swelling up, and it was – really, really painful, and then in order to alleviate that pain, she hit again, <laughs> and it went in, t- to hear her tell it, she said it, like, went into an artery, or something crazy, or a nerve, where it shouldn't have gone, oh. but long story short, she ended up losing four fingers, and a part no of her wound. she had this little bitty nubby, and then her first, like, all those four fingers were gone, but still, like, there was a nub on each one, but she couldn't really bend it. It was so creepy and she would get all fucked up and like put her nub thing in your face. It was so, <laughs> it was so weird, dude. But uh, so back to the the regular story, I was, yeah. I was an insurance agent on the coast, total complete fucking dope fiend and I'm basically stealing uh, roughly four to five grand a week, I guess, somewhere in that neighborhood that went on. For about nine months, I end up getting caught because this lady, when your money is not being replenished in the policy, like obviously the X's and Y's are not (laughs) adding up at the end of the month. So they caught me. Uh, I end up going to rehab, bounce around, fail out of drug court, blah, blah, blah. I end up going to prison, prison in 2009. And that's when... I went to prison prison. In Mississippi, there are three big main prisons, but the largest and most populated one is Parchment Prison. And it's been around for fucking hundreds of years. The movie Life, that's where that movie is based off of. Okay. But it's it's this town in Parchment, Mississippi, and the entire town is all built around this prison. They used to grow all the crops for all MDOC and state facilities. And you had to work. The way that the prison is divided up is there's these camps that house. It's basically a large metal building with bunk beds on either side that houses between 20 and 40 people. And there's 32 camps. And there is one person that is in charge of the camp. And An inmate that, or like a, a staff member? So there's one trustee that's over each camp. And that person... Uh, mediates all interactions between the guards and the facility, like between the inmates and the facility. And that kind of was the norm until 89 when they had a lawsuit and inmate sued saying that he didn't have to, he felt that he didn't have to work. And this is when they made you work, right? So you absolutely had to go to work. You're going to get beat up that stopped as a result of the lawsuit, and less people started working, and as prison reform and all that came about, it was a voluntary basis. but voluntary but not voluntary. You see what I mean? It's yeah. like, yeah, you had to go through an extreme amount of steps in order to not work or be older, have some kind of medical or whatever. And that's really the norm today, at least it was when I was there. So I was there from, August of 09 until 2012. I think it was March. Yeah. March, 2012. What
0: was your sentence? How long?
1: 10 years. So <laughs> in Mississippi, there, is there
0: any such thing as good time or like,
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, first time nonviolent offender, you do 25% of your time. And I met both those criteria, but I kept losing. I was affiliated when I was incarcerated, uh, with an organization, I was a Latin king. There is nothing Latin about me.
0: Yeah, ex- you. you uh, he's. Hey, this is a. I'm speaking to a red haired, uh, flaxen skinned man here. So yeah. yeah. So how did, how did that
1: happen? There's four main factions inside the Mississippi prison system. First of all, 89% of the prison population is affiliated, and Explain especially what
0: affiliated means.
1: So affiliated to us is uh, you're part of an organization or a gang that is basically a group of people that are together that have the same wants, ideas, and desires. And each faction has their own laws and whatever. But there's four main factions. There are the Gangster Disciples and the Simon City Royals. Those are the people that ride under what's called the Six, or the Six-Point Star. Their sign is the Star of David. And then there are the vice lords and the Latin kings who ride under the five. And the vice lords are all the black guys. The white guys are Latin kings. So there were some people that were Latin. And then the other side of that coin is the Simon City Royals, who are the white guys that are affiliated with uh, the Gangster Disciples. The guys that were with the Gangster Disciples, I never really clicked with. They were more, they weren't about. Uh, they're more about violence and thuggery and I just never they were rednecks for lack of a better term but you know like those rednecks that would have like a monster truck with a no limit soldier sign on the back something like that those type of people and the laws of the Latin Kings actually interested me there's some really good stuff in there outside of the prison population it is a positive organization they do do some stuff in Chicago and other places across the, uh, the country for Latin American rights and, you know, less than. It was more about bettering it's, yourself, you know, on paper. But what, it. So what, how,
0: how, how did the process go for, like, I, <laughs> I could imagine, like, an interview process. So, like, how did, did you apply? I mean, I'm kidding. But, like, so how did you, so, like, you get in. How did you figure this shit out? To like,
1: so my first, wing, I'm
0: assuming there's no choice in getting affiliated.
1: Well, I mean there is, but like there there, there is, but there isn't. You get checked right when you come in. So they usually did uh, heart checks when you first hit a zone, and they would ask you, you know, where are you from, are you affiliated? And most of the people would group up by counties. So you have the coast of Mississippi, and you have the middle, and the upstate. So you would automatically get checked from the door. What are your charges? What's your paperwork? Make sure you're not CHOMO. If you were CHOMO, you were getting smashed immediately.
0: CHOMO is a child molester.
1: Yeah, child molester. So if you have any kind of sex charges, lustful touching, anything like that, the only gray area was statutory rape. And if you could show there wasn't more than a five-year age discrepancy between the person and the chargee, then they would let that slide But it was, you know, it was from the door and it was if you didn't want to get your stuff took every day, if you didn't, if you wanted to live an easier lifestyle, it was, you know, affiliate. And I don't it's weird. It's like I knew I spent eight to nine months in the county jail before I went to prison. So I kind of had an idea of what the process was going to be like. Mm-hmm. So I kind of knew what to expect from the door, but the other thing is that every zone is different, like every camp is different every it's a different vibe, and they were like, "Look, you just have to go up there and see what you want to do, but from you know a white kid from the suburbs that did not grow up fighting that did not have any kind of street background, you know, I knew it was going to be tough, and it was. But from the door it was just those were the guys that I clicked with and you come in and it's two on one for five minutes, you're a heart check from the door and you go so through you,
0: you, you walk in and you just have to fight two on one for five minutes.
1: Uh it's within the first couple hours of being there.
0: And like how serious of a brawl are we talking? Like are they like trying is it just like a feel you out or are they trying to hurt you?
1: So the rules are you would you would lace up, you would do shorts and no shirts. You would everybody would get patted down to make sure there's no weapons. Once the person's down on the ground, you're not getting kicked in the head. You can hit the person while they're down, but there's no stomping on the head. They're not going to fucking they're not going to kill you, but you are going to get beat up. You know, they're not trying to cause enough harm to you that you have to go to medical but they want to see what you can do from the door. And that's what I did. So I walked out of that pretty well. And I knew one of the guys that was a Latin King was from the same county I was. And we, you know, played the name game and knew some of the dealers uh, that we had. And that's kind of how I started uh, with that. And I just ran with those guys the entire time that I was incarcerated. I'm the type of person that like, If I'm going to do something, I do it all the way. So I threw myself into that. I enjoyed coming up with different schemes, and I really, really hated uh, the police and the corrections officers for their lack of integrity and how dirty they were and just their overall apathy and lack of caring for other people as humans. And so it was more of an us-against-them mentality, why we always – were at odds with the other factions that were there. There was always an us against them. And it was these, you know, these fucking police that we are against. And that's really what has sparked this latest controversy and riots and everything that are in the Mississippi Department of Corrections. Several years ago, Chris Epps was the prior head of MDOC, and he just got sentenced i guess it was like 6 or 8 months ago but basically what he was doing was selling no bid contracts for commissary and the phones so he basically he was taking money for contracts to use the phone the commissary food and different things like that but one of his big things was he was very anti inmate rights so he canceled a lot of the programs that were inside the facilities and made it to where there was nothing to do besides go to work in the farms or sit on the zone all day. He removed cable and TVs from Oh my God. Yeah, from the system and also made it to where they no longer sold TVs or the radios while you were in there. And when you remove those type of things, and yes, they are luxuries. But it's really, it occupies your mind. So now all these people had was time Time. to plot. Yeah. All we did was we had time to plot and scheme. So that's what we did. And I enjoyed a lot of it. It helped me get through a lot of the time that I was there, but it was also not who I was as a person. And it was, you know, it was just fake. It's not. Something that I'm proud of, but it's like you got to do what you got to do while you're in there. I was a part of a lot of things that I'm not proud of, but it's like on the other hand, that process made me who I am today. But what's really going on now, I stayed affiliated and stayed in control of the money that each uh, for my zone. So we each prison has each faction has their own officer You have one person that's an enforcer, a president, and somebody that does like the dictation and monetary funds. Everybody has $10 of dues a month. So you would either put that $10 in the bank account or you would use some type of commissary or people on the outside. And we had three accounts. There were legitimate bank accounts and online that we could manage the money and I stayed in control of that until I was 100% off probation. So, so every,
0: even so while you were out.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it was more of a thing like what I was why? still on, I was still on probation and my thinking was that it was covering my ass if, if I didn't You had to go back. Yeah, if I had to go back like I mean, there are real consequences. You have to answer for these decisions that you make when you you know, when you go back yeah. and you don't you don't fuck with these people's money. And it was a lot of money. Like we're not talking three to four grand, you know, it's it got as high as forty thousand dollars uh when I was in control of it. Yeah. I mean it's a lot of money, man. There's a so lot you're
0: of- so you're out and you're still in charge of this and like it's like that's gotta be some stress,
1: dude. It wasn't that uh, stressful. It Doing it online makes it so easy. So I can just pull up Cash App or I like to use PayPal and eBay to move the money. And we knew who our regular guards were. We knew were the drops that needed to be made. So it was either do Walmart to Walmart or take a picture of some innocuous item on eBay and send it that way. Uh, so okay. it, it didn't take up a bunch of my time. It was – a constant weight on my shoulders, but yeah. On, and, and I mean, when,
0: when you got off probation, you just like passed the torch,
1: yeah, yeah, okay. And I, I mean, and they I mean, were
0: like, and they're like, all right, cool, see you later, thanks,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it is what it is that the my organization they want to see you get out and do well, they were not trying to drag you down and like and come back. It was like, this is all about helping each other, living the best life possible while you're incarcerated safely and be able to take care of your people on the outside and that's what a lot of these guys did you know making the cell phones we did uh $1000 so one of those flip phones would be $1000 to come in and then you would rent the phone time out and it would pay for itself in a month and then each phone we would have 10 phones that were on the zone each one of those phones generated between 2500 and 3500 a month jeez and this was all uh, cash money through money grams or orders and, and other things. And then you had the commissary sales or the sale of drugs or anything that was coming in from the street. Latin Kings never dealt in pills or methamphetamine. We controlled marijuana and tobacco. The rest of the stuff went to the other factions so yeah, because it
0: it had it would have to be real shitty to have like a full blown opiate addiction
1: like while you're locked up. Yeah, I mean, of course that happened, but uh, in the Latin King laws, one of the first King Ton, one of the first Latin kings, was impacted by heroin addiction. So that's one of the things like you can't, you're not supposed to be a heroin or opiate addict and be a part of the organization. It's written in some of the bylaws, which is different. But I mean, of that course, exceptions different. to that. Yeah.
0: So what so the 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 common narrative of like of the of what's going on is like, oh, this is just gang versus gang violence or whatever. Yeah, so, so what's like, going, what's, what's what, actually happening?
1: What's going on now is that since uh, Chris Epps, the head of MDOC, has you know been arrested and sentenced and removed as the head of MDOC, they've lost a lot of their federal funding. It was already grossly understaffed the prison is and Mississippi has the second highest incarceration rate in the country. So now you have Chris S Chris Epps removed, but those things that he did, the removal of the TVs, the radios, the lack of commissary and the telephone, those things are still in place. And then you couple that with now you have even less money to pay your staff and to hire new people. It's gone to a lore of the flies scenario. And this was in 2017, a truce was signed between all the warring factions, which is the five and the six. And it was now we have got to fight these police and corrections officers that have turned against us. They started having a lack of food where they would only serve one hot meal a day and it would be breakfast And then you would get a sack, you would get a sack lunch at breakfast of two sandwiches. And that was your meals for the day. You couple that with, I also removed some of the, most of the sugary snacks and candy that was on commissary and it was bare bones where you could really only get noodles and tortillas and there was no protein that was on there. Nobody was listening to these inmates and they're like, you know, we don't have this, we don't have that. And it was constantly just being passed down. So they went to war and they were like, the only way that we can get things noticed and get our voices heard is through violence. So they started uh, with the snitches and child molesters in the upstate, which is in Parchment. And they were executing one person every Monday. And they would take that-
0: What? So like light clockwork organization, they're letting them know like every Monday.
1: Every Monday, 10 a.m., we're executing someone.
0: And how would they execute them?
1: Honestly, I don't know. They just list online as inmate deaths or inmate on inmate violence. And after the fifth one, the media finally started to pick up on it. And it was like, what's going on here? And that's when the state flipped it and said, well, this is inmate on inmate violence. These are crimes that are warring factions inside this facility and we are going to get control of it so after the fifth one people start the people on the outside starting to get involved and they were able to take over uh, camp 30 so camp 30 used to be death row on in parchment prison but in the 80s they closed it down and they reopened it so they moved all the shot collars and people that had supposed clout that were there and they put them in camp 30 camp 30 didn't have any running water or any kind of facilities, so they switched they have these holes that are in the ground and the crazy thing is that you can go on youtube and see these videos so they used to just have the holes in the ground it's right in the corner it's a large like six by six hole and that is where your waste and sewage goes and they were like this is where these people are deal with it so they sent everyone there. The inmates rioted and they had to send in the Mississippi State Trooper, whatever their uh, the special 13 to get control of the camp. And it was when they went in there and they finally started to see some of the YouTube videos and peop- uh, things that people were showing them that, look, something is going on and we've got to do something. They were refusing medical care for people that were involved in the different attacks so there's amazingly awful pictures of people laying in their bunks you know just completely smashed out uh because of this and the other thing that it's like yes they were going after the child molesters and that was the big the beacon of what they wanted to do but when you start green lighting the hands-off policy it's like you're just going to go get the person you want to get and you're like i'm mad at john paul because he screwed me six months ago on on whatever or i don't like the way that guy looked at me so it was it was on from there and it was escalating violence and one thing leads to another but
0: yeah that's uh, the the videos i saw there was the dude that there was the guy hanging in his cell there was uh some somebody uh pouring lighter fluid and lighting someone's cell on fire with the dude in there yeah there was the bloody bunks i mean it was the the flooded out camps where it was just there's walking and standing water like
1: there's no power nothing it's just
0: like what and there's like can somebody help us please
1: the what is insane is that the outside public is not allowed to know what is going on inside these facilities even if it was you know you are one of these sons or daughters or whatever that's been attacked or you had some kind of, you know, terrible altercation. And they're not giving the families any notification. They're just saying your son or daughter was involved in an altercation, and he's being seen under medical care. And that was it. And this was so this past Christmas, it was right before Thanksgiving, they put a blackout on the phones and commissary. So they took away everything. There was no wall phones, there was no commissary at all. And Christmas packs are one of the biggest deals and facilities where you can order. There's a certain several weeks where you can order things that you really wouldn't be able to order, like summer sausage, some different proteins. It's like, you know, it's a Christmas thing. And your outside family can send you those things and you can order more commissary. So they killed that and they killed the wall phone. So there was no contact going out and it just slowly escalated. And that's really where they're sitting right now. Uh, it's complete turmoil, and I have no idea how they're going to change it or what they're going to do, but I know the media and uh, – what's his name? Jay-Z. Jay-Z. Had, yeah, Jay-Z had, uh, has an organization that's behind it. Yeah, and- they
0: sued him officially. So like the, the lawsuits are in there, and he helped, he helped organize that lawsuit. So have you been talking to people that are in there right now?
1: Yeah, the last – I guess it was uh, almost a month or so ago, what they were planning to do – was they had the two guards picked out and they were going to execute them live on Facebook in the front of the facility. What? And, and
0: what, what the hell, dude?
1: Yeah. And what uh, happened? I didn't see any news about it. I haven't had contact with them since then. But, I mean, when I heard that, I was like, eh, I'm going to kind of take a step back. I don't yeah. really,
0: I I really want to be involved. I, in yeah,
1: I am fa- I'm fascinated. My heart really does go out to them. But it's like, on the other hand, I'm not trying to to live that life. Right. But, I mean, I donated $20 to the, you know, to the thing. Uh, I would not be surprised at all if, if that was the case and that is what happened. And it hasn't come out yet or it does come out later. But, I mean, I know that there is serious violence that's going on in there, and it's focused on the police and on the corrections officers that are there.
0: What's, like, What's like the current status with it? I remember seeing something that was, or someone, like, something, some massive government entity had just gotten involved. Maybe it was, like, um, hmm, I don't know, hold on.
1: The ACL, well, the ACLU brought a large lawsuit of the for the underage offenders back in – was that 2010? I can't remember the name of the facility, but basically they were sending people – yeah, The Justice. Yeah, the Justice Department. Yeah, yeah, the Justice Department. But uh, they were mixing really young uh, offenders with medium-age offenders, and there was a lot of rape going on. And this was in, you know, the 2000s, which is after the Prison Rape and Elimination Act. And what is that? The Prison Rape uh, Act, it it changed the way it made. You have to have a wall system, a telephone system inside the facility where you can anonymously report those type of actions. And there is some things like how you're transported in shower facilities where uh, they're single which made, like, the shower will come to you. I don't know if you ever were in a facility where the shower was, like, a rolling thing that oh, no. on a conveyor belt in front of your uh, door. So it's oh, hard to – Holy crap. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's you know, modern engineering, but there's basically a shower head that would roll on, like, a big farm-style door across the top and bottom tier. You know what I mean? Like, there's one for the top and one for the bottom. Yeah. Bo- and it would come into your room and then push forward. And there was – in the center of your uh, room was a drain and a slightly concave uh, you know, thing. But anyways, yeah, it, it just – it made rape not as prevalent. But, Jeez, dude. but it's, it's really sad and it's absolutely insane. I think a lot of it is warranted where there is no information – That's getting out. And some of it is inflated and some of it isn't. But the bottom line is that the prison population is not being cared for the way that they should. Nobody deserves to be treated in that way. You know, no matter what your offense is or what you've done, you deserve three meals and access to mail and different contact with the outside.
0: And that's the that's the sickening thing about like on some of the Facebook posts just reading some of the comments where people are like, "Well, shouldn't go to jail then." It's like, "Dude, shut up." Well, like, we have to
1: we have to evolve as a society and as a culture. And I've always I guess I would say I was pro death penalty before being incarcerated and then seeing what it's really like when you're in there. You know, I just think that we have to and need to evolve as a culture and say that we're not going to kill each other because of these crimes, no matter what it is, you know, we don't have mob justice anymore. Right. And while while the system is pretty much broken, you know, there are some standards that, that have to be kept. It's just one of those things that there's so much money to be made because of incarceration. And, Absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. I mean, it's one of those things that like Mississippi and Louisiana too, have a long history of having prison officials arrested for various, yeah. you know, various financial crimes.
0: Well, and it's it's the cycle. It's the stupid. It's the cycle of the sheriff's department, the lawyers and the prison systems kicking back to each other and the D.A. and like you give me X amount of years and inmates and we'll make this deal with this corporation to to make this cheap labor and like yard
1: crews and
0: cause in, <clears throat> I mean when I worked it because did, y- did y'all make money when with your work y'all got paid
1: yeah no we, 17, we didn't get paid. 17 cents an hour
0: yeah we didn't even get paid it was just like your your payment is uh is that you get to go outside like yeah for 30 minutes and you're almost you're fucking grateful for it oh hell yeah dude you absolutely which is which is insane i mean it's it's well it's it's slavery is what it is i mean it's it's the exact it's a it's a evolution of slavery and you're making someone money and and you're right It, it was interesting it was like in where I was at it was like you didn't get treated as a human until you became a trustee and then like once you switch uniforms then they actually would like the guards would look at you and like refer to you like as a yeah. name in instead of like yeah 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 it's it's it it really I don't think people appreciate like what it's like there you know like they don't the, the things you have to do, and like, if you, you know, like, go look up some of these videos that the inmates are releasing, like, it's they're I mean, they're catching fucking rats to eat.
1: It's a, goddamn. I remember, so this was my first night, this was after my heart check, the first time I came into the zone, they have these long, uh, steel tables that are like octagon shaped or whatever, and there's, of course, the top of the table, and then Below the table, there is a shelf, you know, that's made out of the same material. And these motherfuckers made a fire underneath the bottom of the table and turned it into a flat-top grill. And <laughs> we're fucking inside. Like, we are indoors inside yeah. a metal building, and it's this large octagon table, and everybody's running around getting whatever fuel they can use to burn because they're the table into blacktop grill so you can make your pizzas and tortillas and I was like holy fucking shit I remember uh my bed was in the back I just got in a shower and I looked up and there's like smoke everywhere and I can see a fire I'm like oh my fucking god what is going on yeah and it's just like it is what it is it's one of those things that you know you do what you have to do or you know what necessitates it. But I feel sorry. I do feel sorry for some of these guards because if that's the only type of employment you've ever had, a lot of these people, they get them like we would recruit people that were just graduating high school to go and be corrections officers and through whatever contact in your social circle. And each organization does this. So you would have your own people that you raised up through the facility and you would say, what. I mean, and that's that's how it goes, because these are they have a lot. We always have we have a long view. So we are inside the facility like we're not after this fucking quick three or four grand. You know, we're going to invest five, ten, twenty thousand dollars in this one person and have them come up so, you know, their background can be absolutely flawless and their, you know, only connection is that they're brother used to, you know, or their sister dated this guy who's incarcerated. You know what I mean? So it's like,
0: what like does, I mean, surely it does happen that they get caught and they end up get like, what happens to them if they get caught up and they come in? Like, are they fine?
1: Or does that really not happen? So, and that was another thing while we always stuck to marijuana and tobacco, which are not nine times out of 10, not going to be a felony. So the tobacco $20 of tobacco on the street equates to $1,000 on the inside. So, you know, it's just simple, it's simple math. And that's what we did was, you know, have the, have the long view, but it's to the point now where everybody's flipped on everybody and the officers realize they can make more money bringing in other things and, You know, these people are are bringing in knives, you know, like real weapons now uh, as opposed to drugs, because once violence starts, I mean, people like it, you know? Yeah. That that shit's fun. Yeah. When you're when when you're in there. And that was one of the other things when you don't when you don't have. You don't have safeguards in place like you don't have sound uh, people for each organization that are making decisions and you're like, hey, man. We don't need to be bringing in, you know, huge pocket knives and butcher knives for each other. You know, let's stick to the drugs and, and other things. And now it's to the point where it's war on the police and it's sad.
0: So like what was – I mean, did, so did you ever see any like horrific violence against guards while you were there?
1: Yeah, yeah. I uh, I perpetrated physical violence against one uh, officer. Uh, it wasn't. And that's the, the one thing that still sticks with me to this day is I'm listed as a violent offender. So whenever I get pulled over, it's always, it's always a scene. Cause I have officer what it's like physical threat to an officer, physical, fe- uh, physical threat to law enforcement. Uh, oh shit. <laughs> because I used, I used, the, I used a weapon to attack a female officer.
0: What was the, I mean, did the guards then just like beat the fuck out of you? Like, what was the consequences of that?
1: No. Uh, so she had flipped, she had flipped on us. She had brought in something for us. And then the next day flipped and took it back and it cost us a lot of money. And I had set up the whole transaction. So it made me look bad and it cost me a lot of money. And at the time I thought the right thing to do, you know, we, we had people on the outside. We went and took pictures of her, pictures of her kids and we're like, look, this is what's about to happen. We're like, you know, little Susie's in Dr. Moss's class right now. And, you know, stuff like that. So it would start with threats. But, you know, in the end, it's just like you got to do what you got to do. So we had to go after her.
0: And like she – and it was like understood that like that was her consequence. Yeah, she knew. Far, what the, so like there was no
1: guard retaliation on she that. Knew what the, she knew what the fuck she did. Like, Jeez, dude she knew that she knew the game what she what was going to happen i mean it wasn't like she wasn't paid for what she did
0: that is such a like i would hope that this is shocking to people cuz it's like this is like this it's not there's this well cause that's what that's what that's what I was, was going to say so it's like what 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 can people do if they want like what can we do to
1: change uh, this as far as making real change happen now it's gonna have to come from the justice department and these people that are bringing the lawsuits that are there uh it's a step in the right direction what they're doing but i mean it's it takes so much time to have is that a balls. dog yeah yeah oh yeah
0: It's <laughs> like what was that
1: uh it takes time for these changes to happen and for laws to change, but it's sad that it it took a great amount of violence to finally get some of these issues heard that are inside the facilities. But I mean, that's all it is. What they wanted is to say, you know, ever since Chris Epps has been removed, he was already anti-inmate rights and they never corrected the problems that he had put in place and you couple that with the funding being cut because of what he did and the lack of commissary and the lack of food and the food thing was a purely numbers and money thing they were like well it's cheaper to serve two sandwiches than it is to make three hot meals a day and as long as you're providing three meals you know there's nothing that says hot then and there's no caligorical so what they're really trying to push is to say each meal must contain this amount of protein, this amount of vegetables, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And a lot of states do have those laws in place, but it's like Mississippi's backwards as fuck. You know, those laws aren't there. So it's going to take time to get those things in place. But, I mean, donate to that cause. Uh, I can't remember. Change.org uh, has some stuff there, but if you just Google it, I'm sure – It'll pop up. I can't remember which one I donated to, but uh, it was somewhere online. If you really want to do some entertainment, just go to YouTube and Google that Mississippi prison, uh, twenty 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 nineteen. And this is yeah. yeah, this is all recent things, and you can see where the mainstream media has picked up on it. And yeah, s- these I, I, uh, see these things that are taking place. Like it's not. I'm not spouting off at the mouth. It is.
0: That's uh, yeah. I I really do encourage you to go to go watch some of those videos because it, this, it's like it's it's one of those like stranger than fiction things it's like this is this is like it in america in 2020 like this like this shit is happening and that it is- camp
1: 30 when i saw that in those that fucking dude he was like they moved us to camp 30 i was like what camp 30 like this building i use all the camps are lined up 10 10 10 right 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, whatever and this building it was like overgrown and had literally been shut down since the 80s no running water no heat nothing and not to mention that it's 6 or 700 yards from the regular facility from the main building where medical and food and intake where everything is so not only are you don't have these physical you know needs that you have you're also if something does go wrong you're so far away from help that it's over with, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's you're in, literally it's on your stocking. own.
0: Yeah. Well, and that's that's what's interesting is that it's not that, that how they're pinning it of like inmate versus inmate, and it's literally like <laughs> it is inmate
1: versus establishment. Exactly. Most of it, it's like some of it is that, you know, but the majority sure, of it, sure. in these these videos that are going live on Facebook and stuff, which immediately get removed. Uh, YouTube is, you know, there's I don't know of a lot of platforms that will allow that to stay up very often. Uh, But I do know some of the ones have been removed off Facebook because that's what they want to do is they want to have an audience for the violence to feed their own
0: well, and it, what's interesting is even the videos I've seen, it's not like it, it's not it's not, um, you know, fuck the world or whatever. It's it's literally
1: they're like, hey, like, help us. Like, that if you're what, watching that this, shows help the us. the fucking toilet in the floor. Yeah, dude. They're, an they're entry, like, and that dude is like walking there and there's black mold all over the side of the wall. The wall itself is crumbling, and then they show you like, "Look, we're not bullshitting. There's no running water. This is the, you know, the stainless steel toilet that's supposed to be working, and then this is the toilet that's, in, you know, the hole in the fucking floor."
0: Yeah, they show, and and it's all of them are just, like the the, yeah, some of them are just heartbreaking. They're like, think if this was your son or your daughter, or your husband or whatever. Like this is this is what it's like. This is what's going down. Like if you're watching this, please help us. Yeah. Crazy. Well. I'm glad you made it out of there, Scott.
1: Yeah, I am too, man. And I'm not, you know, I still struggle with some of the things that I did while I was in there. I've tried to forgive myself for it and make amends where I could. But, uh, you know, it's part of life, I guess. It's made me who I am today.
0: Yeah. And I, I will say, man, you're, you're, you are like very, a very good example of like rehabilitation and changing your life and, and like, you know, making – I mean, it is. If you I mean, you just got married, you're like a successful chef, you're sober, like, you know. It's pretty awesome.
1: Yeah. You, I'm how uh, well you've come. I, I do I get that a lot. My my wife says that all the time. And uh I think sometimes it's hard to give myself credit mm-hmm. for you know, for that stuff. But I I mean fuck I never thought that I would be where I'm at now. I never expected. I, I kind of knew I while I was incarcerated, I didn't think I was gonna, uh, I was gonna die or, or be killed or anything like that. But I always thought that my time would be extended because of something that I did while I was in there. Right.
0: Right. All right, man. Well, Scott, thanks for the the inside look, bro.
1: Yeah, yeah. Anytime, man. I'll keep texting you. You've been doing all right. How are you going with your uh, meds? It's
0: going pretty good, man. I think I'm I'm settling in. We'll see if I want to like add Wellbutrin or go up on the dose or whatever, but. It's settling in for sure. I'm over the the initial hump. I think.
1: Word. Hey, what so, uh, what's up with John?
0: He's good, man. He's just working. He's uh he's actually doing some uh, co hosting on Pastor with No Answers now, which I give him a hard time about. <laughs>
1: yeah, I've only I think I've, I've only listened to that a couple of times. It's good. It's good. He's doing well though, man. He's cool. just
0: busy, dude. You know.
1: Yeah, we all are. I know that fucking, uh, I got Valentine's this week and then the tourists are coming bringing the coronavirus to my restaurant.
2: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs>